everybody. Welcome into this episode of Frederick Uncut. Um, we are sitting here. I'm sitting with Nancy Lavin. I said her name correctly this time. She gets angry. I don't get angry. I just... Okay. She gets angry. <laughs> you always emphasize the K of my K. middle initial unnecessarily. So the Nancy K. Lavin. That's what we'll cool. say. And Chris Fair, how are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. That's how are you? Good. It's good to have you here. Um, we we have a lot of stuff we want to get to, well, but before we get there, we we always like some background on who we talk to. You, Nancy, told me earlier today that you are originally from Frederick. Yeah. Well, uh, moved here when I was very young. So moved here when I was seven uh, to Frederick County and and grew up in Mount Airy and moved to Frederick City in 2004 and have been living in the city ever since. Aha, uh-huh. where did you go to high school? Linganore. Linganore. Yeah, home of the Lancers. How was that experience? Did you like high school? I did, well, on aspects, sure. Um, Which aspects did you like? Did I like? <laughs> I liked I liked the teachers that were there. We had a we had a good time with a lot of the teachers. I was I participated in a lot of the organizations that were there and mm-hmm. Um, worked on the school newspaper and things like that. So you really, know, my, school newspapers yeah. were all about that. Well, yeah, always respecting the news. So I was oh. the business manager of the school newspaper, and we had a good time. It was uh, there was a lot of good stuff that happened there, and a lot of fun that that was had over those four years. But you know, from the the LGBT perspective, that was always the difference. That was always the a, a different experience from the good ones. That was a bad experience. Oh, for anybody, yeah, yeah, in that school during that time period or any time period there prior. And we should just clarify, because you and I have talked about this, but listeners may not know, you were not out at that time. Right. That's always an important thing to mention, is that there was no out students at Linganore High School when I was there. Uh, Students started coming out shortly thereafter, um, but the only out student that we had at the school at the time was literally run out of the school. Really? Yeah. and, And it was very clear that it was a danger to individuals to lgbt individuals if they came out of the school so we talk a lot about that uh we try to share those kinds of stories to understand how far frederick county has come and how far frederick county public schools especially has come so growing up in the area that's it's provided that perspective and be able to understand exactly where we've come from and how far we've gone in just a short amount of time that's what i was gonna say i mean maybe i'm getting old but 2001 seems like just yesterday yeah right i don't know with you nancy but to me i was 10 you were 10 (laughs) It was a good year, I think. Really? It was. I mean, we survived Y2K, so. Yeah, it was the first year of the Bush administration. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was tough. No, it was, it, it was, it, it, it was, it was a, uh, it's an interesting year for everybody, I think. And, you know, graduating in 02 and, and, and seeing, uh, like I said, seeing the landscape of the, uh, you know, of everything in Frederick County at that time. And then seeing where we're at now, especially when it comes to LGBT issues is, it, it, it's heartening and it's enjoyable to see the changes happening. Obviously we'll never think that they're happening fast enough and cause they aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're moving in the right direction. You said that you, you were not out in high school, but it was still hard for you. Yeah. So a, a lot of national statistics uh, show that, that regardless of whether or not you're LGBT, if you're just simply associated with being LGBT, you actually mirror the same, um, the same stigmas, the same concerns, the same uh, dangerous behavior or behavioral markers like suicidal ideation. You're more likely to uh, do self-harm. You're more likely to use drugs. You're more likely to smoke. You're more likely to drink, uh, to deal with all of those social pressures. And that is for whether or not the person is straight or cisgender and they're simply uh, marked as an individual that's gay or, or, or trans. Uh, it's quite a startling statistic. It's not just the people who are out, but it's people who are uh, 
told that they are something else. So when I was in high school, as Nancy and I have talked in the past, when I was in high school, it was it was absolutely terrifying to be labeled gay or mm. at the time as we always, you know, as was yelled multiple times, fag, you know, to anybody. That was a that was a marker you did not want to get because it was downright dangerous to be in school with that marker. Did well, Go ahead and answer. I was going to ask, did people say that to you? Did they sort of say that? Did they use that marker for you? Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, a te- as a teenage kid growing up, you know, in a in a in a in a farming community, it is definitely a weird thing to be called gay publicly, and so I can tell you to this day exactly where I was at, where I was sitting, who said it. Well, I would never say that out loud the person who said it, but the person who said it how they said it and my reaction i can i could see it as if it was yesterday because i just remember when somebody said you're one of those fags aren't you and i'm sitting in cl- in the classroom and you know the person's two seats behind me and i freaked out of course because you knew that that was not a uh, label that you wanted to you know attached to you because we saw what happened to students who were labeled fags or gay and at Linganore and it made us very nervous. So I, I reacted like a typical teenager. I mean, denying and yelling and, you know, trying to anything. I overreacted in fact, which now knowing that that was a bad idea, cause that definitely brought on more, uh, you know, thoughts that, you know, obviously he is gay. Look at how defensive he gets. Um, it's an interesting, uh, paradox that you're stuck in, right? Because I was immediately forced to, renounce a part of who I am to try to save myself physically and uh, a part that I was also battling with internally at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it just, it adds layers to the problem and it makes it really a, a, a horrible dark time for any student that has to go through it. I just feel awful whenever I hear these horrific stories of students suffering through high school and suffering through middle school, elementary school. We're getting a lot of reports now about elementary school students who are feeling like they want to express themselves and they're feeling very scared because they don't know how their parents or friends are going to react. How did you cope with that in high school? Were there coping mechanisms that you had? No. No. So (laughs) I don't want to put too much of a dire point on it, but there was, I mean, again, I don't want to compare Frederick County Public Schools today to what it was back then. I want to be very clear that Frederick County Public Schools has made massive leaps in supporting LGBT students. Uh, my time there uh, was during a period where there wasn't a lo- any real support for LGBT students. There were no G- there were no GSAs, uh, which are gender and sexuality alliances. There were no uh, out teachers, um, which I came to find out later was because teachers were told essentially, you come out, you'll lose the respect of your students and we won't fire you for being gay, but we will fire you because you lost the respect of your students. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's like this clever little workaround to force mm-hmm. teachers in the closet. Um, so we had no out teachers. We had no out resources. We had, you know, the only, we didn't, I know this sounds, I was from a well-off family, but not nearly well-off enough. So we had like the internet, but we didn't really have like a lot of internet. So we had our AOL that was barely there running. We, we were talking about AOL. We're going to get to I, that. Yeah. Well, should we just say it now? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I noticed when I was looking on your Facebook to kind of like see other facts about you to, to know for our story that you list or for our podcast that you list your AIM screen name <laughs> still on in your about page on 
on your Facebook page. <laughs> I promise you that's more because I'm lazy and I just don't think to update things like that. But yes, what I probably your, had. What was your name? It was just something. Some, oh, God, it was so It's like Chris0884. It's yeah, not okay. even embarrassing. No. Nancy oh, my God. Oh, we're not going to say that in great. public. No, we're done. <laughs> do you? Re- <laughs> now we're going to change the subject. Uh, no, do you remember ICQ? Mm-mm. I'm the only one then. Okay. No. Uh, it was, it kind of predated AIM. Oh, as far as a chat room yeah. kind of model. Yeah. So the chat room models were, were weird, but I remember, you know, thinking to myself, my God, if anybody ever found. So my, my fear of course was that the guy who put our computer into our house told, told us at the end that my mom wanted to make sure it was very clear. She could see anything that we saw on the computer. So uh, again, Uh, that resource wasn't there either. So I simply, you know, completely closed myself off and, and didn't really access any resources. And then, uh, the first, the the first, uh, access to anything that was LGBTQ related actually came in the early 2000, uh, like 2001, 2002. I realized you guys remember when, uh, the the network television shows like HBO and and Showtime and all of them they had you could you couldn't watch the show but it was that 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 fuzzy yeah the scramble yeah, yeah. the scramble yeah mm-hmm. so fun fact the first LGBT the really first out LGBT show queer as folk was on Showtime at the time um, H Showtime I think, I think it was Showtime. HBO it might have been HBO one Anyways, of those yeah. one of those so um. It was on, and I found out about it. I, don't, I have no idea how. Well, actually, I think I was just flipping through the channels one night, and it was Sunday night, 10 o'clock, and I was flipping through the channels, and all of a sudden, I saw these two guys kissing. And then from then on, every Sunday night, I would sit at home. This sounds so lame. <laughs> I would sit at home watching this scrambled television show um, on mute with the with the little uh, with the closed captioning turned on because I didn't want oh. anybody to hear anything so that I could actually witness a gay couple or gay relationships happening in front of me and that was my only essentially my only outlet uh, that and Rocky Horror Picture Show we watched a lot of Rocky Horror Picture Show man <laughs> so well, you you knew then you you've known all along uh, that you were gay while watching this and, and everything you, well uh, I was going to ask that when did yeah. you realize you were gay yeah, that's a great question the Um, it's, it's, you know, we look at, we mostly look at, you know, the straight community and we kind of say the same thing. When did you know you were straight? You don't Mm -hmm. really know, no, Mm -hmm. you, you view people as friends. You view people as, you know, your, your colleagues, you look at people and those, those kinds of those conversations and those, those feelings change over time. And I think that the same can be said for the straight community, even when they are in a same sex relationship that love between two men or two women is not necessarily sexual in nature, but um, essentially you, you go through elementary school going, these are my friends and you know, blah, blah, blah there. I'd rather hang out with them than the girls and blah, blah, blah. And then in middle school, it, it becomes more of like a, all right, I'm definitely not, still not quite digging the chicks yet, and I'm, I'm sure it's coming. And then you try to catch up, and you talk, you talk the talk, you talk the big talk, and then by the time did you did, you have a middle school girlfriend. I did. I had a lot of girlfriends actually. Ooh. I was regular bachelor. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the um, I had I had a girlfriend for a number of years uh, at, throughout high school who is one of the most lovely people on the face of the planet, and we are still friends to this day, and. Uh, 
it was really awkward. I mean, I was at her, uh, I was at a friend's wedding. We were in a paired up at a, at a friend's wedding together one day and we were taking pictures and her mom was like, you two still look like the golden couple. Can you just get married for me? And I wish we could because <laughs> I just <laughs> love her mom, but we were like, no. So we, you do a lot of weird things, but you, the more, the, the further and further you go down the line, like through high school for me, it was more like, it's a safety issue, but it's also like a, all right, I don't have to be gay. Like you're told that it is so reinforced over top of you that if you're gay, it's because you, there's just something wrong. You know, mm-hmm. the, the phase argument, the you have something psychologically wrong with you. You know, I, I, I will tell you that somebody flat out told me to my face once that it's because my father killed himself and that because I, that made me closer, more closely attracted to or closely associated with my mother, that mm-hmm. that is clearly what caused me to be gay. People come up with the most offensive and absurd logics behind how a person turns out to be LGBT. And I just, I'm always stunned by it. But you sat there and you said, okay, not knowing anything else, not having any other resources to turn to, you start to believe your own, the the, the BS that said. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, you had, it was uh, my Freshman year in high school was 1998, which was the year that Matthew Shepard was uh, was That's was right. killed, yeah. was brutally killed in, mm-hmm. over the over the fall of that year. And I'll tell you, man, that that put a fine point on you know the danger's real, the the terror is real, and 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 you can't mess around. You can't just you know lightly go into this. Like you have to be prepared to be very self conscious at every social situation and every conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Frederick at the time and still to this day struggles with an identity that, um, people like to say we're very culturally conservative. And I keep saying, no, we're not culturally conservative as we were. We are very, very much less culturally conservative than we used to be because that language is, is in my opinion, calling ourselves culturally conservative all by itself is dangerous because it causes it causes, uh, pardon me, it causes LGBT people, it causes uh, minor, uh, marginalized populations across the board to feel unsafe because it's, it's it, to me, it's a dog whistle that just screams, we don't accept people who aren't white, cisgendered, heterosexual folk. And that's not, the, that's not my, been my experience since coming out. So when did you come out and what was that like? It was so much fun. <laughs> no, I... Well, wait, I want to, not to interrupt, yeah. but I kind of want to go back to the girlfriend. Like, with, did you dump her? No. So we broke up before I came out. Okay, okay. Um, I literally, uh, and it all ties together. I had one last girlfriend um, in, this would be going from 2003 to 2004 because it was New Year's Eve. It was New Year's night. And the next day I woke up, I broke up with the girl and I kind of went internal. I I was like, I can't, I I realized what you don't realize as a teenager is the toll you're taking on another individual as you are putting on this facade. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had realized at that point what an awful person I had become because of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I was sitting here carrying on these relationships with these people that I knew that I had no interest in having a long-term relationship with. And that is so unfair (laughs) and Mm -hmm. so dark. Like, and so I, I broke up with that person the very next day and, and promised myself that I would figure something out at the time. My coworkers were trying to 
my chair <laughs> so that you can hear the Colin, chair. sit still. I, I will sit still. Go ahead. It <laughs> 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 sounds like yeah. an elephant or something. No, isn't it's it? background yeah. music, as I'm yes. telling you. know, yes. it sounds like a violin. It we'll did say. kind yeah, of. Yeah. So, anyways, no. Uh, came out. Uh, I coworkers wanted me to go on a date with this guy. I didn't want to go on a date with the guy. I got very nervous that I was going to get outed. So I decided that I uh, would come out before anybody else would be able to force me out again, trying to own my own sexual orientation, trying to own my own sexuality. Um, I went to my parents and I just simply said, you know, Hey, I got something to talk to you about. And I was like, I'm going on a date with a guy. And they said, I said, I had to say I'm gay like that is a really weird thing like you have to say it mm-hmm. like they were like oh you're going on a date with a guy that's interesting you know tell me about the guy I was like no 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 I'm not done I'm not done I gotta <laughs> say the words like if I can't say the word then it's not real and so I said I'm gay and my mother very sweetly not in a negative way at all she just goes are you sure you're not bi you dated all those girls and I said, <laughs> I said nope one foot out nope not gonna not gonna stop here so gay and my mother was just over the moon. She was thrilled. She, you know, I always joke she always wanted a gay son. She got one. <laughs> so. so it was positive to come out to your parents. Yes. What about the rest of the community? Yeah. So I don't know how I got to where I'm at today. I can't, I can't explain it to you. I came out to my parents. I came out to my brother and my sister um, and, I, and my uncle. And uh, I came out to my closest friends. And that was it. I was, you know, I'm not here to wave a flag. I'm not here to yell and scream. I'm here to deal with my own sexual identity. And, and, and that's it. Um, it's after that, I said to my friends and family, I said, you know, please respect my privacy. Something that you'll hear as a common linkage between a lot of, especially LG people. And I'm sure trans people as well, but I can't, it's harder for me to speak to their experience because trans people have a a unique experience in society and I don't ever want to pretend to understand that experience. But for, as a, as a gay male coming out, it was, it's, it's, you want to control who knows and who doesn't. And it's one of the few controls that you do have because you know that you're about to be hit with all kinds of social stupid oppression. And so you're like not excited about that and you're worried about that and you want to control who, who does and doesn't know. So I told a few friends and that was it. And then, but the bigger thing was, I just said, I'm not going to hide it anymore. I'm not going to sit here and deny it or, or try to hide behind it anymore. I cannot tell you how disturbing it is how many people want to know that you're gay when you first meet you Hmm. once you stop trying to hide it and put away all the social markers that suggest you're gay people are like are you gay are you gay are you gay i want to know if you're gay can i can i tell you you know and i want to tell everybody else so i guess that's kind of how you start get coming out to the community as a whole is it's just it's a very awkward kind of stumbling block and you get asked a lot of really offensive questions in the like process. What? Oh God, any gay man. I, I So I was doing a train, I'll tell you a quick story. I was doing a training yesterday for the Frederick Pride Committee because we're getting ready for Pride. And during the training, I, it, there's a lot of gay men in the room. There's a, a lot of gay men on the planning committee. There's a lot, uh, there's a cro- great cross section, but there's a lot of gay men in the room. And I said, so let's talk about offensive questions. <laughs> I said, what's the number one offensive question asked of any guy? <laughs> And everybody raised their hand. Everybody yelled out at the same question at once. Who's the girl? Number one question 
every gay man gets, and I'm sure every lesbian gets the same question in reverse. Like Who's still today, people say that to Oh my God, 100%. And they can mask it in other questions. You know, who's the bottom? Who's the catcher? Who's the, insert euphemism here. I'm sure this is one of the more interesting podcasts you got to say, this. we don't have a bleeping mechanism here. We might, we might have to watch ourselves. No, no. I'll, I promise no. not to use a curse word, but those are the, those are the kinds of, uh, yeah, if 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 your re- if your listeners are offended, imagine how you feel when it's said directly to your face in That's the middle awful. of a conversation, and you have to sit there and decide: Am I going to scream at this person? Am I going <laughs> to answer their question? Am I going to try to keep it lighthearted? Am I going to try to keep it kind? Something that you and I have talked about in the past. Yeah. What What is your reaction? It is usually a lot of smiles, a lot of you know, some kind of little jab back, and and just try to move on with the conversation because it's really nobody's blank blank you know, uh, <laughs> business, what I, what position or role I play in my relationships with my partner. And so we, we have that conversation all the time. And it's funny because everybody in that room yesterday during that training, every single gay man in that room knew exactly what the question was prior to saying it. Cause we all get it. Have you ever lost your temper? When people ask you questions like that? I, I lost my temper once. I, 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 and it was so vivid that the, I, I'm sure I've lost my temper before. Um, but <laughs> yes. Once? Wow. Yeah, like, I know. That's getting my Colin and I get mad at each other pretty much every time we talk. Say. So Literally. <laughs> I, the conversation. <laughs> yeah. The look Nancy just gave me is like, yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... Um, I lose my temper about a lot of other things. I never lose my temper about... Uh, quite uh, my, my role, I believe... Uh, my... I believe that one of our jobs in this whole conversation, this dialogue, is to recognize that LGBT people, as of the current Pew Research poll shows, that about 4.5% of the population, like our job is going to be a never-ending struggle to make sure that the other 95% of the population understand what it is to be an LGBT person. And that is a huge headache that we are stuck having to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, if I give in to that frustration, I it's not going to change the level of questions that I'm going to get or the level of ignorance sometimes that I'm going to get. It's just all I can control is my reaction to it. All I can control is to make sure that I keep myself mentally and, and, and uh, physically safe and healthy. And mm-hmm. so my reactions are key to those things. Except for one time, because, <laughs> and I'll call him out. It was my brother, and I, because I, 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 my brother doesn't disappoint me often, but every once in a while he gets on me. So him and a bunch, he's in the army. He's, uh, if you thought of the polar opposite of me, you got my brother. He's a he, he's super cool guy, great guy to hang out with, and one, and we we adore each other. Like we spend so much time with each other. I took him down to Pride in two thousand six, account in the Capitol, and like we've had always a good relationship, but. He's in the army and all of his buddies, of course, are army buddies as well. And so they were over one day. It was 2000, I would say eight. And we're talking about LGBT people in the military. And um, I, I will correct me. Uh, correction. I was just talking about gay men in the military because the idea of women being in the military wasn't even a conversation that we were talking about or women on the front lines of the, you know, nevertheless, lesbian women in the military. And then we weren't we certainly weren't talking about trans people in the military in 2008, which tells you how far this conversation has come just mm-hmm. in 10 years. So we were just talking about gay men in the military and they were all telling me how, you know, all the, the 10 top reasons why gay men can't serve openly in the military. Mm-hmm. And I just went, this is the most ridiculous conversation I've ever heard. I, it, it, all the way down to somebody told me that my wrists would be too limp to carry them if they were shot. 
Wow. So me being a few drinks in at this point, (laughs) I offered to take that person down to the courtyard of our apartment complex and carry him over my shoulders to show him. Did you do it? I did. Did you drop him? No, I didn't. Well, you should have dropped I'm, him on purpose. I know. I I have. Oh, I was so angry. I've never been so mad in my. I've never been so. I was disappointed in my brother because he was he was perpetuating some very dangerous and very ridiculous stereotypes about LGBT people or well, gay gay men in that specific conversation, and I was just like, this is. I shouldn't have to explain this to you. Mm-hmm. You should know better. And so I will give them credit so that they don't feel like I have completely trashed them <laughs> on, on air. Uh, four, five, five years later, uh, right after 2012, in 2012, we repealed Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which mm-hmm. was a big deal in the military. In 2013, uh, one of his army buddies invited me over for drinks and he was home from, he was staying in Florida at the time he was home. So we went over there and we're all out just, you know, having a drink, just chatting. And he just stopped and he goes, you know, I have to apologize to you. And I said, what do you have to apologize for? He goes, well, one day, a few years back, we had this conversation. It got really heated and it was really ugly. And, and, and it was about, you know, gays serving in the military openly. And we told you that it couldn't happen. He goes, don't ask, don't tell was repealed. And I have to be honest with you, we had it all wrong. Like we just, it wasn't right. Mm. And it's been the most smooth transition that we could have ever imagined. And our, you know, our leadership came down, you know, and, and spoke to us and made it very clear why this is so important that we affirm LGBT people in the military or LG people at the time is just the don't ask, don't tell part um, that we affirm them in the military because uh, they're serving with us as our partners and our brothers and sisters. And, and we need to respect that. And, and we thought that it was going to be a nightmare and it hasn't been a nightmare at all. Actually, it's been really calm and relaxing. I want, I want to get a little to the opposite end of what you are talking about now. And you mentioned this, you alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast, too, with the school systems, things have gotten better. You know, you think that Frederick, the Frederick school system has made a lot of strides. Living in Frederick throughout your time, and we'll just even use high school as the first example, can you give us a sign that, you know, things that you can point to that make make it clear that, that everything is has come a long way, yeah. is going in a different direction? That's a wonderful question. So one of the jokes that we made, so after I came out in 04, um, the first group of people I met was actually at Kip Koontz's house. And if, you, if you're if you not aware of who Kip Koontz was, he is a former alderman mm-hmm. for the city of the Frederick. first openly gay alderman. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so he was friends with a woman named Jeannie Winston-Muir, who is the head of student development at, F- at Frederick Community College. So when I was at um, Frederick Community College, he was looking for some people to work at a party one night and uh, just kind of serve food and, you know, just mingle with the guests and this kind of stuff. And so I said, you know, sure, I'll sign up to do it. And a few of us went up and did it. And I went to this party and there was like 50, 100 gay people there. And I was just like, look at all these gay people. That's really weird. There's gay people in Frederick County. Who would have thought? (laughs) And I made friends with this wonderful couple that live there. And they told me that they have these queer as folk watch party nights. And I went, oh my God, that's that show I used to watch through the scrambled thingy. Yeah, they may have the actual TV show. They do. (laughs) You didn't have to watch it scrambled. They they own the subscription and they said that they have a little party every Sunday night and you can go over and, and, and join, you know, other LGBT you know, LGBT people and, and enjoy the show. 
And so I went over there and, 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 and it was, it was like 10 or 12 people. So many of which I still talk to to this day. And, uh, we were all watching the show together and I was like, there's like gay people in Frederick. Like there's a lot of gay people in Frederick. Like, why are we not out in public at all? And uh, I was told it was, it, it was a really, I'll never forget standing there when it was first said to me, but they said, we're, we're good being gay. It just, we keep it behind closed doors. And I went, oh my, that, that was, I mean, again, once again, that, that social reinforcement coming down on top of you, mm-hmm. reminding you that it's, it's not really that safe to come out. Uh, but the community as a whole was like, don't shove it in our face and we won't talk about it. And then if we don't talk about it, then everything's fine. But if you start to bring your gayness out, then we're going to have a problem essentially. So that's kind of how the construct was set up for the whole early 2000s. You have a question. Well, no, that that was just going to kind of lead me into pride because now Frederick mm-hmm. with pr- fried, fried, Frederick fried. pride. If you combine the two, that's what you get. Yeah. You get fried. Maybe we should just call it fried. We, it, it, so I'm going to be eating plenty of that kind of food <laughs> at pride. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering though, how Frederick pride compares to other prides that, that you've been to. It's, I mean, DC is obviously huge and, but where, how have you seen that evolved over the year? Mm-hmm. Cause it started out years. also like not even what it is today in terms of the setting and the sort of, I saw the original, I was trying to find it in our archives actually. And I couldn't find it just by searching frederick pride because it was called like picnic in, in the, the park, park or something oh really yeah wow oh yeah oh it's scandal picnic you, in the park how get, long ago was that you're getting the scandal 2012 stuff. yeah six years ago that's it yep so oh. to go i'm going to link both of these questions together because the previous okay. question to move forward from that 2004 story is that um we started to see some movement in LGBT issues around college campuses around hood around even mount saint mary's and fcc we took that kind of movement and we shifted into the next phase of the, or the next part of the conversation or the next area of LGBT movements in Frederick County, which is uh, in the 2012 realm, which is marriage equality. So in 2012, uh, the state house approved uh, marriage equality for same sex couples. Um, and uh, the few days later, the opposition had, gathered enough signatures to put it on a ballot to put it to popular referendum. So um, I was brought on to be a Frederick County lead to help in that process with a group called Marylanders for Marriage Equality. Um, I can tell you uh, on the back end of that job, our job was to make the loss in Frederick County so small that easily Montgomery and uh, Baltimore could easily, you know, push it out, uh, you know, push it aside. Frederick County is the largest uh, conservative, what is defined as a conservative county in the state of Maryland. So it was considered to be a potentially huge loss for us. Um, We prepared and we had lots of really uncomfortable conversations and lots of really comfortable conversations. And we built coalitions were built. And I can't stress that enough. They were built between Republicans. They were built between Democrats and independents and libertarians. They were built between churches, secular and non-secular agencies. And on election night, we had a bellwether, which was Spring Ridge Elementary School. I'll never forget Spring Ridge so long as I live. I never went there, but I'll never forget (laughs) the school. It was our bellwether. I was driving to Baltimore. And uh, for the party that night, and we still had no idea, honest to God, we had no idea if we were going to get this is going to pass or not. Uh, It's terrifying to say that, but we had no idea. It just depended on it depended heavily on the Prince George's County vote, but we had no idea what was going to happen in Frederick County. 
And I got a call from the, our bellwether and we won our bellwether and we weren't supposed to. We were, it was going to gauge how bad the loss was going to be. And we ended up winning in the bellwether at Spring Ridge. And I went, oh, well, that's going to be an interesting night then. We ended up winning on marriage equality across the state, of course. Mm-hmm. And then we also won in Frederick County by four points, which was a big deal. Mm-hmm. That definitely changed the conversation and changed the dialogue a little bit. Uh, oh, a lot, I should say. Um, at the same time, uh, that was happening. A group of uh, three individuals had gotten together and decided to build uh, Frederick's, the, the Frederick Center. And if the name sounds innocuous, that's because it was supposed to be, hmm. right? If you ever wonder why it's called the Frederick Center, it was called the Frederick Center to protect LGBT people. We didn't want it to be the LGBT Center. We didn't want it to be anything that suggested LGBT issues. We wanted it just to be a safe, affirming space for individuals. Um, and when I say we, I mean, I came on, I came on later. So I should be very clear with that up front. Um, three individuals, Brian Walker, Cindy Beach and, and Austin Beach founded the, the organization with a goal of doing one thing, which was providing a safe space for LGBTQ youth to gather. Um, so Austin had come out of Urbana High School. He had been bullied ruthlessly at Urbana. Uh, during his time there, it was really ugly, and him and his mother were fighting the administration consistently or constantly trying to get students to be held accountable for what is essentially hate speech and, and actions. Um, Austin decided to fi- you know, that we needed a safe space for that, and Cindy and him went off and found Brian Walker, who was the chapter lead of PFLAG at the time, and they built uh, this, this youth group that started and that youth group we're proud to say has met every single week since they founded it uh, in 2012. The second job was to find a spot to have a celebration. So once again, the Frederick Center, right? An innocuous name. They did not want to call it Frederick Pride because they were worried about the the potential for um, people to come, you know, the KKK to protest or something to that effect to happen. And so they called it- In 2012? In 2012. Okay. 100% (laughs) promise you. And and I'll tell you how we know this because two years later, we had the KKK at our pride. Yes, that was Okay. Yes, there there was protest. in 2014 yep so (laughs) it only took two years for it to catch on so we had it it was called picnic in the park 300 people at ballinger creek park the following year i I was also the director of the festival of the arts at the time so the following year i came on to the pride committee or the what is now the pride committee to start planning and i pushed really hard for us to move it to carroll creek linear park but they again wanting to protect students wanting to protect individuals who were and their identities uh, we moved it to Utica Park out of th- outside of Thermont, which I just I, I made fun of. I, I had fun with it the whole time. And Thermont is a great town and actually has really grown in massive ways. It gets I think it gets sometimes an unfair uh, unfair labeling of being very homophobic and racist. There's a lot of good people up there there's just there's a lot of uh, stories and myths and 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 things have been carried on but we put it at Utica Park and it was we tripled the attendance and then I won my argument for the third year and we moved it to the uh, Carroll Creek Linear Park and we officially changed the name to Frederick Pride hmm. the second we did that the KKK came and uh, we were very lucky with our partnership with Frederick City Police Department. They were ready. They knew that they were coming. We sectioned off an area for them to protest. Uh, they were allowed. To, they were given their 15 or 20 minutes to protest, and then they were told to carry on. Nobody. Oh, we were very lucky. Um, the news posts and their diligent reporters did find the protest <laughs> that we were trying to have. I found that see. story in our archives. <laughs> yeah, that we were trying to make it so nobody saw. 
<laughs> they were very diligent. No, we we basically happened and almost nobody saw it happen. I mean, that's how much it was off the off the beaten path. We had we had an excellent drag performance going on at the same time. We made sure to have that lined up so people were attracted to the stage and paying attention to the important things that were happening and not listening to the ridiculous non-affirming voices of a of a bunch of crazy pants that came down. And now Frederick Pride is like this huge community event. It is. And we when is it? We should tell the people when it is. Saturday, June 23rd That's is this right. year. So it's our first time not being on the last weekend of June. So we're trying something a little different. So we were very excited about it. It um, it has grown from from 300 people at Boundary Creek Park. Well, last year we had eight, uh, the estimations were between um, seven and nine thousand people. So we always wow. say eight thousand is the round number that we went with. Um, eight thousand people. It has really been a marker for how this community has changed and embraced this conversation. One neighbor told me after last year's, they said they. They've never experienced an event in this town that feels more like a compassionate love, love event, like a more of a compassionate hug mm-hmm. from a community than that event. He, he said that it was just such an amazing feeling on that creek during the festival that you get uh, of, of, of not just pride for LGBT people, but pride for allies, pride for being in the Frederick community, pride for supporting uh uh, causes for any marginalized population. That's what we always stress is we're, we're one of many. Um, I want to, there, there's, we could, there's so much to say. We could keep going on this, but we're actually kind of running a little short yeah. on time. And there's one thing I want to get to Nancy and I talked about a little bit earlier, uh, as well. You have, you have run for political office in this town, in this County, Yep. in this, in, this, in the city, in the city. city. Well, I called it a town. It's so town. Chris ran for the <laughs> Frederick Board of Aldermen in, uh, in the last municipal election yes. last year. Yep. And my question to you, of course, is are you done with politics? Are you going to go back to politics? Oh, that's you? such an unfair question. No, <laughs> I um, no, I it, it, it was a incredibly uh, enjoyable experience. It was mm-hmm. frustrating that I lost. It was kind of surprising to a lot of people. Uh, myself, no, none more than myself. It was a, it was a tough field. There was a lot of Democrats in the primary. There were, there were. I, um, I had, I've worked for years to, you know, build bridges in this area in this mm-hmm. community, and and and, um, I just, I came up short, and it was a, a little over a hundred votes or a hundred and twenty some odd votes short, and it, it hit the ego pretty hard, to be honest with you. But, um, I don't know what I'm, I, I maybe. Is the best I can I can Maybe, muster. Maybe that's a very political answer. It is because sounds like the makings of a politician. Yeah. yeah. Well, it could Maybe just simply be. Yes. Maybe maybe means I don't know if my ego can take that hit again. <laughs> that was I I have never I, people joke about re- running for office and how how hard it is and mm-hmm. and how it really takes its toll on you. They're not kidding, man. It, mm-hmm. it, it it takes a lot. I respect any person, Democrat, Republican, Independent, that puts themselves out there because you open yourselves up to the weirdest questions. You open yourself up to all the voters and your whole life is put on blast. And then when you lose, you have to walk through that community again mm-hmm. and have everybody come up to you and remind you that you lost, which really <laughs> sucks. Yeah. So yeah. I, that's, is that Frank? That's not a very political Sorry. answer. Oh, that, that's okay. <laughs> So we're going to we're going to pencil you in for running again. Yeah. That's pretty much that's what I'm taking oh, away from it. My, yeah, my husband might have another <laughs> another thing to say about that too. 
did it take a toll on on the both of you? Was it the whole going to politics? Your life kind of becomes a little more public than you want it to be, doesn't it? Yeah, well, and he's an introvert. I mean, an introvert of introverts. I always joke, Dominic comes to one of of every ten events that I go to, and that's because he just this isn't his thing, and I respect his autonomy to mm-hmm. not force him to go out in public mm-hmm. uh, when uh, that's not what he enjoys doing. He likes staying at home. He likes small gatherings and groups. He has plenty of friends and people that he hangs out with, but uh, he likes his privacy, and mm-hmm. so um, it. it it absolutely the campaign all by itself took a toll on him, but the loss especially took a toll on him because mm-hmm. he helped. He mm-hmm. did he did a lot of the online development of the website and working on getting the social media running and making sure that we were staying updated with volunteers and and you know when the loss came in, he had to deal with me. I mean, my God, that poor man. You know, he gets he gets a free pass for at least a year because of having to deal with me. Over, over and I I do want to ask, like I remember you saying when you were first coming out you know you told like the people that battered you and you, you kind of wanted to keep the rest of it private and you have really not just in running for office but before that made advocacy for the lgbtq community like a, a part of of who you are as a as a public figure in frederick and kind of at the larger level so what what made that made you change your mind like prompted that kind of shift my own safety um, I know uh, I know people have really great answers for this question um, that are inclusive and um, that are much more comprehensive. Uh, but mine is selfish. And um, I uh, not only believe that any LGBT person should be treated just as normal as anybody else. We are not different. We are not uh, anything crazy or, or, or abnormal. We are perfectly normal individuals. And so I started to realize that the only way to make that happen is to normalize my orientation in everyday conversation. And so you will hear me talk very openly about my husband and you'll hear me very openly say husband. And when I, as we had, as we had talked about in, in a previous article, when somebody misgenders my husband, I will I will actually correct them and make sure that they know I am gay. And that's because it's not because I'm trying to like batter them down with information and make them hate themselves or be feel bad. I want to make sure that it's, it's as normal as if you said, who's your wife, but instead who's your partner or, you know, who's your spouse. And that way you allow the person the opportunity to share with you who they are, because it should be as normal as anything else. We should not be scared when I'm having a conversation or meeting you for the first time, mm-hmm. I should not be scared to tell you that I have, I have, my partner is another man. Mm-hmm. Um, as I should not be scared to tell you if I choose to, that I identify as a trans male or a trans female. Um, I should not be scared to share any of that information. And so that is kind of where it all came from. It just, moving forward and realizing that we could have really great conversations and educate and, 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 and get people to understand that not everything's terrible. I have a really great story about this. If you have two seconds, <laughs> Go I, ahead. Yeah. I met, I met, I met, I met this great couple out in Johnstown 
If you know, if you know where John, most people don't know where Johnstown. Johnstown, is. Pennsylvania. No, Johnstown, Maryland. Oh, John. Okay. Jo- no, I'm sorry. Collins from John's- Pennsylvania. You were going to get him going. Uh, here we go. <laughs> oh, it's actually Johnsville. Oh my God, they're going to they're oh. going to kill me up there. It's just north of Liberty Town. So if you're in Liberty Town and you go literally up. Oh yeah, 550. I have heard of that. Yeah. So I was at I was at a, a pig roast in, in Johnsville, and I hung out with a fun group of people for a while. But this guy says to me one night, he goes. Wait a second. You're gay? I said, yeah. He goes, we were just talking about football. I said, yeah. And he goes, I've never met a gay person before. You know about football? And I said, yes. And and so most people would have been like, oh, and, and the question, again, once again, totally offensive questions, right? That came out spewing out of him. Like, you know, he, as if I'm the gay dictionary, walking, you know, dictionary for gay things. And he starts asking me all these questions but i saw i went you know this is the guy's first interaction with a gay person like i want to make sure he walks away from this going that guy's pretty cool which means maybe other gay people are cool too good people not bad people not Mm -hmm. you know people i should hate or not understand or anything like that and the conversation did go well and i'm glad to say we're still friends to this day and how long ago was that oh god 2000 and i would say eight seven eight so you know it's none of it's too terribly long ago and 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 we know these situations happen all the time we do know that when you have a conversation with a member of the lgbt community inherit statistically the likelihood of you coming to a greater level of understanding and you coming to this being straight cisgender individuals coming to a greater level of understanding and respect for the community it it increases exponentially the more conversations that you have uh we can't have those conversations if i'm always hiding my sexual orientation from you Mm -hmm. we always finish with fun things nancy was there anything we missed that that you wanted to get to before we get to the fun stuff you want to get fun yeah okay i mean we already know your aim screen name oh my god can't get much more personal than that it's Um, so shut down now i was so sad when AIM went down finally so was nancy i guess you loved it I mean, I, I had I had a good time on there back in the day. While it was there. <laughs> but nobody had ICQ, so that's very disappointing. No one's heard of this. Okay. No, I, that is... I just made it well, up. It was ICQ, the three letters. I, but did you get the play? I, I Anyway, okay. Uh, <laughs> the play on words? Like the, ICU? Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't they call it ICU then instead of ICQ? Well, I seek you. Oh. <laughs> Clearly they did. Somebody in their marketing department's right now going, I guess it didn't work. Google it. When, when we're done here, go to it's. I'm sure there's a Wikipedia entry for it. Uh, so we know what your favorite television show was, I'm assuming. Queers. Well, at, no. So, um, oh God, television show. I, I'm always so used to movie. Um, TV show would probably be The West Wing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now favorite movie then. Since favorite. Yes. Favorite movie um, is always a toss-up between Rocky Horror Picture Show and Clue, which makes me think that I I just you know I have a thing for certain act you know just uh, uh, God what's it? not Tim Tim Burton but Tim um, Tim Curry. People used to always say that I must have a thing for Tim Curry because Clue and and Rocky Horror Picture Show are easily my two favorite movies of all time. Clue, I've never seen Clue. Have you seen Clue, Nancy? No, I've played the board game. I've never even played the board game. Oh, you have to be kidding me! So it's a Clue party. Oh no, this is a joke. You've never seen Clue? I've never, I've never seen. Oh my God! Seriously, it has three endings. The movie literally rewinds. Spoiler alert. It has three endings. I'm not going to tell you what any of the endings are. It's because the movie is based off of the board game. And so oh, that's clever. Yeah. It is so clever. But you wouldn't know because you've never even played the board game. 
well, I can acknowledge the movie's <laughs> clever if he's going to explain it in that way. That's pretty clever. Okay. Uh, if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would those three people be? Hopefully two would be me and Nancy. Hopefully, yeah, well, that was a clear. Yeah. Um, watching Clue. <laughs> watching and playing Clue after watching Clue. Um, three people, I would say, and I know this sounds, you know, this sounds so ridiculous, but I always say that I would love to have uh, dinner with Francis Perkins. So the labor secretary from the Roosevelt administration, one of the first real, well, not one of the first, but, but one of the more prolific uh, women's empowerment leaders uh, in the 1930s. And just one of the most interesting like women to work on social justice issues for women. Um, um, uh, Bayard Rustin, definitely Bayard Rustin. He is a, the a openly gay civil rights leader uh, who w- was the right hand to Martin Luther King Jr. And he mm-hmm. was actually ousted from the civil rights movement when it became clear that religious sex would not coalesce around the uh, the message of, of Dr. King, um, unless Bayard was out. So they wow. pushed him yeah, out. Wow. It's a really dark, uh, portion of that history. And, uh, they've come to, uh, a realization that Bayard played such a key role in the civil rights movement that he should be there. Um, and, um, I would probably, I have so many entertainment people. I just love to see Cher. Just have to sit down with Cher. Cher's coming to DC, I think, fairly soon. Are she, you going? No, I'm not. I, I got, but I did. I did check off the other box, which was Britney Spears. We have tickets in July to go see. Oh, Britney. I'm really jealous. The MGM, <laughs> not the biggest. What's fan. your favorite Britney Spears song? <laughs> Oops, I did it again. Classic. Definitely. Classic. One hundred percent. What's your favorite Britney Spears video? Oops, I did it again. Okay. Yeah, I keep it all the same. No, actually, actually, that's not true. So I love the video sometimes. If you remember, like them on the dock, like mm-hmm. dancing with each other, and she just in that. Oh, anyways, wasn't that a ballad? Wasn't that was, a slower song? It yeah. is a slower song, I'm, and it's super cute. And oh. I don't even know if I can like hear Nancy. that song in my head. I know I'm not a real Britney fan. I guess. <laughs> Man, no, that's I'm not one of those Britney fans. So <laughs> I, I actually got into an argument with somebody once about that. Mm. They said that they were big Christina fans. I said that's fine. I'm a Britney fan, and they go, "Oh, well, you are not a Britney fan. Do you know that?" Blah blah blah. I was like, "Whoa, this is not about to be a Britney off. Like, oh. calm down. We there, could have Sparky. a Britney off. Yeah, <laughs> I think I already lost the Britney <laughs> off. <laughs> you got to go back to YouTube and watch sometimes okay. video. It's beautiful and wonderful, and loved it. Do you have a favorite book? Um. So I'm a huge, so I have fiction, nonfiction, right? So I'm a huge Stephen King fan. And um, probably uh, my favorite book that, 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 that I read that he did was my first one that I read, which was uh, The Stand. And I just fell in love with it and just thought it was such an amazing book about story of good and evil and how, you know, he literally manifests good versus evil in two cities and, mm-hmm. and how you kind of build that plan, how, how that kind of plays out and sometimes good wins and sometimes good doesn't. And, um, and then for, I like a lot of, I like a lot of autobiographies. So Theodore Rex is probably my favorite autobiography or biography I should say ever written and it's about Teddy Roosevelt and uh, it's the way it was written it's just so powerful and impactful and you really grasp a lot about Theodore Roosevelt and how complex he was uh, as a president and which is or leading up to being president I should say Um, and and it's quite an amazing book 
I have one more. Nancy, do you have any? I don't think so. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have, <laughs> I'm going to add one that I just thought of. Yeah. What's the best thing about being married? Oh. Oh, man. That we are exactly the opposite. Honest to God. Do you ever argue? Oh, my God. All the time. No, this is great. The way that it's horrific. Oh no, <laughs> Nancy the, and I argue all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like an old married couple yeah, all yes. the time. Yes. So you argue, but you take joy in the argument. Uh, well, so sometimes I'm convinced that I do it because I have no energy and I want to just like clean the house. So I'm like, okay, let me pick an argument so that I get all fired up and then I'll start cleaning and like that's like my way of getting know, that, motivated. No, I don't I'm know just, that that's necessarily healthy. That's. <laughs> Is but his like, house is very clean. That's like, true. The, the, yes, the, the house is no. The uh, is it respectful arguing? The uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, we try to keep it. We try not to go for the most part. For the most part, Ooh. yeah. I, here's the scandal. No, it is. Uh, we argue like any health. Uh, what I always say is any healthy couple, any couple that doesn't have a disagreement. I mean, that's that's really disturbing to me. I I the thing yeah. I lo- the thing I love about Dominic is that he is the. He is my opposite, but he is also like, he's the guy who reminds me to keep it light in life. Like, you know, if I was left to my own devices, I would bury myself in LGBT sensitivity and awareness and and advocacy. And, and I would never be able to stop taking all of that home with me. And so when we work on, uh, if we have a homeless youth reach out to us at the Frederick Center and they need help, um, I can't separate myself from that project. Um, so that's why I would make a terrible social worker. I would make a terrible doctor. I can't physically remove myself. And Dominic helps me remove myself from those things. He helps me um, realize that I have to, for my own mental clarity and my own mental health and wellness, that I have to um, enjoy my life outside of the work that I do. Finally, where is your favorite place to eat in Frederick? Oh, don't, don't, don't put me on the spot for that. Nobody I, uh, wants uh, to answer. No. <laughs> Nancy and I always have our answer ready. We, I, because that's the one thing we agree on. Yeah. So, uh, really? What is it? I'm just curious. Or do okay. I have to share first? Yeah, we'll, you, you, you have to share first. You tell us yours. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I have three favorite places and I have to be honest, I, it's because of what they serve. Well, that's that, odd because I asked you for the one. I know you did. <laughs> and I, and, and, but as you pointed out, I have a political answer for everything. Okay. So there's three. Okay. So um, Dominic and my favorite place to go together, period, is a wine. The, uh, a, 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 the wine kitchen is just one of our favorite places to be at, period. The tasting room is there's the, there's there's a chair. Yeah, that's, that's that's a bunch of <laughs> that's a, that's a bunch of business owners signing my death warrant yes. right now. Yeah, no. The um, uh, so the wine kitchen's one. The tasting room is where we go whenever we want whenever we want to just eat a really incredible meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honest to God, our favorite place in general is to go to Belisario's right on East Street. It's a pizza joint and oh, it's owned by place. Nikki Belisario. Yeah. And so I grew up outside of Pittsburgh. It, it, we have yeah, family a family home in Steubenville. It is. Mm-hmm. And, and and she's from Pittsburgh and she makes pizza like it's from Pittsburgh, yeah. which is what I grew up on. And I just love that joint. It is the best pizza. It is the best subs. It's got everything you would ever want and it's got such a kooky staff like we always have such a blast whenever we're there chatting with everybody so okay i've never been there yeah we will go oh. we're gonna go we're gonna go nancy i think it's your are, kind of place are it's you a steelers the- fan uh, she doesn't know don't what the talk steelers don't talk about 
football? Yeah, don't talk about it. Yeah, football, yeah. Is that where they get the home runs? Yeah, that's, that's what I was like. <laughs> it's in a strip mall, I believe, right? It's at it like is. the corner of it. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's very close quarters. Yes. Very close quarters. Yes. We usually Definitely. get the food to go, but yeah, but I think it's, it's the place you want to get it to go at. Killer pizza. Killer okay. pizza. This has been so much fun, Nancy. Hasn't it been so much fun? A blast. This has been a blast. Nancy K. <laughs> we almost got through. Thank you for taking the time, Chris Fair. Thank you for, for everything and, and coming by. This is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. Mm-hmm.